12.04 p.m. to 3.21 p.m. That's how long I stood in line to cast my vote this past Saturday. We also had a final presidential debate this past week. Thank the Lord. The bar has been set so low that when two 70-something-year-old men running for the most powerful position in the world don't mud-wrestle on stage, things are supposedly, quote-unquote, normal. There was still nothing normal about that final debate. We'll discuss this and more on today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome to Pop Into Politics, episode 20. Episode 20. This is Kobe. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe on your favorite platform and rate me. You can also check out my website, popintopolitics.com. Leave a comment, read some of my blog posts on other topics I may not have had the opportunity to delve into here. Also, if you'd like to tickle the keyboard, uh, feel free to write a review on your favorite platform. So yeah, let's see if I can actually get through this particular recording today between ball-playing children and rambunctious dogs running around the neighborhood. Lots of noise today, yesterday, the whole weekend, but I think we'll be able to do this today. So, seven days until Election Day, or what we may need to simply call the last vote day, as voting is taking place across the country. Well, over 50 million people have already voted, and that probably doesn't include numbers from the weekend. So, People are voting now. We should all be prepared that the votes might not be tallied in total by November 3rd and that we might not know the outcome. But with that being said, if you are not registered to vote or you don't have a voting plan, it is still not too late. In most places, please go to vote.org or nbcnews.com slash plan your vote. So before we get into the debate and some other happenings this past week, I voted. I voted. I voted early on the first day that we could do so here in New York. I stood in that line for over three hours. Whoa. Let me just tell you, I am no spring chicken. Sort of 40 than 30. Further away from my 20s with each passing year, these knees, my calves, my toes, they are not what they used to be. Not what they used to be. So stretch, lunge, squat. Whoa. Whatever you have to do, be prepared. I will say, all jokes aside, it was great to see democracy in action. It felt amazing to cast my vote and to essentially have my say with the choices that we've been given. I was proud to cast my vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But let me say this. Let me just say this. I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. As someone who strongly believes in democracy and our republic, people should be engaged. And I'm going to say this quietly. People should vote for whomever it is that they like, that they would like to see in that office and that they believe in and what they stand for. So if you're a Trump supporter, I don't know how you could be one. No, if you're a Trump supporter and if you believe in what he stands for, you should vote for him. But no one who claims to care about the future of this country or its direction should remain on the sidelines. If you don't participate, if you don't participate, no one wants to hear from you. No one wants to hear from you. So shut up, shut up, shut the boop, beep, shut up. Now, my goal, of course, in this podcast is to show and to discuss reasons, at least at this particular time period, why we should not be voting for Trump. But again, the worst thing, in my opinion, is apathy. And I also am going to take the time to admonish the folks who want to do the write-ins and the folks who want to do third-party candidates. We don't have time for that this election. We don't have time for that. Either Joe Biden and Kamala Harris or Donald Trump and Mike Pence will be back 
in Pennsylvania Avenue on January the 20th, 2021. And so we need to be adults and put on our big boy panties and our big girl panties and make a choice. That's just what it is. You're not a hero. It's not cute. Writing in people who have no chance of reaching that office. The other thing too, it is funny being here in New York. I know that there are certain parts of the country where people might feel like, hey, my vote really doesn't matter. So New York State has generally been reliably blue. But it is important to remember in politics that a state is only blue or red until it's not. So if you think about California, which has been solidly democratic now, I don't know, approaching 20 years, but that was not always the case. Thinking about two of our Famous former presidents, Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon from California, Ronald Reagan being a governor of California. It was red until it wasn't, until people were active and motivated and conditions on the, on the ground changed. Virginia, Virginia was a reliably Republican state for many, many years until you start getting into the Obama era. And now suddenly Virginia has been voting blue and democratic. So things can change. We should never make assumptions or assume that what we think is impossible cannot happen. So vote, 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 vote. Speaking of voting, yes, a little over three hours in a line. One, it shouldn't take three hours to vote. And being here in New York, this is not a state that I necessarily think of voter suppression in a classic sense, but it should not take three hours to vote. And we should work to make voting easier in this country, easier, faster for people to exercise a right that they have. So I know my three hours from what in other parts of the country, I really can't complain about that. And I will say when I was in that line, well, I did have some entertainment while I was in, in line. So that was helpful, which I'll get to in a minute. Now, I could have sent in an absentee ballot, but I didn't want any funky monkey business going on with my vote. If I did it by the mail, since we've been ripping out mail sorting machines and Post boxes like thugs and criminals here in the night. I didn't want any shenanigans, hijinks, funny business, capers, antics, or gags. Those are all synonyms for shenanigans, uh, by the way, which is one of my favorite words. But no, I wanted to make sure that my vote was officially kind of just cast. So for me, that felt like the best decision. For folks who are in some of these states where, you know, I'm kind of whining about three hours, where people have talked about being in line for six hours, as long as 10 hours, please don't get out of that line. Don't get out of that line. Your vote really, really matters. Call a friend, bring a friend, bring a book. I had a book. I had a friend call me, spoke to my sister. So I was I was entertained while I was in that line. I also found myself thinking about all of the coronavirus victims that we've had in this country. I thought about children at the border. I thought about Charlottesville. I thought about just having an idiot president, in my opinion, currently. And all of that certainly motivated me to stay in that line. Also, it's New York. So there's always something interesting going on. I had no idea about the dangers of the models in the fashion industry and fashion, fashion. Apparently, I shouldn't joke, but Yes, while Broadway is closed, I guess we are still doing some fashion events, I learned from my in-line partner behind me, um, who was complaining about safety for the models and that it's hard to, I guess, socially distance when models are changing clothes and all sorts of other things. Who knew? But I learned about that. Fashion, fashion. I also learned in line that a, this actually isn't funny, but it's just kind of ridiculous things you overhear in a voting line, that some woman apparently slipped down the subway steps on a... Put a little spit 
that was put on the step. I just can't. But that was said. That was said. Mm. So if you're in line, have a book. Make sure you have some colorful characters around you. Here's some good stories. So stay in that line and vote. And speaking of voting, after that, I certainly, I, I had a cocktail. I felt like I deserved a cocktail after my three hours in line. And of course, that brings me to my cocktail of the day, which is my Kettle One Orange and Peach Blossom Botanicals with a little seltzer and a little cranberry peach juice. So a very peachy, peachy drink. So that's what I'm drinking here today. Before we get into the debate and some other things, let's get into housekeeping. America, girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. Yes, yes, America. Yes, you do have to get your stuff together. One thing I wanted to talk about, and this actually will tie into the debate, is all of this talk about the African-American vote, a portion of the electorate. And I'm a black man, but I'm actually going to put on my magical black hat today. (laughs) Putting on my black hat to be able to have this discussion for a few minutes. There have been, for whatever reason or another, famous black rappers. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Kanye and him, his kind of third party candidacy, if you want to call it that. 50 Cent, who people kind of dragged online and called 20 Cent for some of his comments. Diddy, who I guess just recently has come to the conclusion that we should vote for Joe Biden. In October, he just realized that. In October, I don't really know where he's been. There's the whole Ice Cube situation. So I want to say this. No one should be forced to vote for anyone based tied back to race. So I, as a black man, do not have to be a Democrat because I'm black. That should not be the assumption. That should not be what Democratic politicians just assume and take for granted. I totally agree with that. That just needs to be said. Joe Biden, who I voted for, I already just mentioned that, but made a comment that, well, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Like, that was stupid. That was stupid, Joe. Joe got a little too comfortable. Comfortable. Shouldn't be saying shit like that. Nope, nope, nope. Shouldn't say things like that. At the same time, I like to talk about where things are now. And I don't see the Republican Party with its policies and positions, the environment that the current president is creating around issues related to race. I don't see the Republican Party as the party that I, as an African-American person, should support. 50 Cent specifically made some news this week because he has decided or has concerns about voting for Joe Biden because of Joe Biden's tax plan. And there is something about these prominent people in Black culture at this moment in time coming out. Which are they prominent? Because I haven't really paid attention to 50 Cent since In the Club. Go, 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 shorty. It's your birthday. We're going to party. Like- yeah, yeah. I, nope. I think that was my college days. George Bush was still president. George W. Bush. But Joe Biden's tax plan, which really, for individuals, talking about people who make more than $400,000 a year, and of course, repealing Trump's disastrous 2018 tax bill that didn't help anyone. It's very hard for me to give a damn about that or to believe that someone that with everything going on in this country and ask someone who has a platform whose fan base probably is not making $400,000 a year, that someone would actually come out and dissuade people from voting for Joe Biden when you have a raging pandemic, race relations 
probably not at an all-time low in terms of American history, but certainly kind of in our modern time frame, certainly not good. I don't understand it. And so I'm not going to be like one of the Fox News folks, um, like Laura Ingram or people who say that athletes and rappers, or what did she say that LeBron James should just go ahead and just dribble? I would never say something like that. They're citizens. They are allowed to have an opinion. I just wish that they were more informed, a little more nuanced, maybe looks at the entire sort of collective of what's happening. When I look at Donald Trump, first of all, I don't think Donald Trump's doing anything that is helping America and Americans broadly. But I certainly don't think that any of his policies, like I said, test tax policy isn't helpful to the average person. And so therefore wouldn't be helpful to African-Americans. His coronavirus response is not helpful to Americans broadly. And certainly with the disparities we're seeing and the deaths, it's not helpful to people of color. African-Americans, Hispanics, not helpful. His behavior, not helpful. His moral character and stances on issues related to race, not helpful. His (laughs) stances about the environment, not helpful. His beliefs or lack of belief about doing anything with environmental justice, as he educated us in the last debate, where basically, look, anyone who's living in a part of the country that um, maybe you live near a refinery or you live near a chemical plant, the question was posed to him in this final debate last week. And his response was, people are making a lot of money. People are making a lot of money. So I, I just, there's more going on that we should be concerned about, A, as Americans. Secondly, obviously, I, I put on my, my magic black hat, just a tax plan. So... I just wish that these people who do have some influence, probably definitely influence with young folks, maybe young folks. I don't know. I don't think young people have to talk to my niece. I don't think that anyone's listening to 50. They dragged him on the internet. Ooh, child. Mm-mm-mm. They did. But yeah, I just felt like I needed to say that, that I think there's a reason why African-Americans are democratic, broadly speaking. Not that everything that happens with the Democratic Party is ideal. But again, life's about choices. So there's that. But I just wanted to just say that I don't know what this is about, though, this season with these rappers and entertainers, a handful of them. So there's that. Now I'm going to conclude that I'm going to get into the debate, the debate, the final debate. I'm glad we're out of debate season. And I think that whole process is just broken. Can't really have a debate if one person's on stage just lying through their caps. Every every breath is a lie. And those things aren't somehow moderated in real time. It's not just about moderating that they're not talking over each other or, again, having like a WWE wrestling match or anything like that. But how do you get information, policy information out to the American people and things that, again, there's probably some nuance to certain policies or things that just clearly didn't happen. And Donald Trump is a liar, lies consistently. That's not to say that politicians from time to time don't tell whoppers, but Donald Trump lies in a way that we in our republic and our our media and just how we deal with that, I still think it's not dealt with properly. But yes, the president was calmer. It would appear the president had a nice glass of chamomile tea or a Xanax, or maybe he's off his steroid-induced bender uh, in his COVID-19 life-saving drug cocktail. I don't know. But yes, he was calmer. And so, again, the bar is so low that apparently if the president of the United States is calm and doesn't scream and rage on stage that he somehow had a good debate. Again, if that's our standard as a country, we're screwed. (laughs) We're in a bad place. But that seems to be the standard. Just my take, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible. 
COVID-19 section for obvious reasons. I think that Joe Biden did well in that section and the president did not do so well for the main fact the president of the United States continues to lie about where we are as a country with the virus and the fact the president just won't come out and say, I'll never understand just politically why the president, well, I guess at this point he has to double down because he's been telling these lies for so long. I guess he can't reverse course, but the president just won't tell the American people we need to socially distance, we need to wear a mask, and maybe we don't need to do a a whole national shutdown again at the same time, although most of the states are not a good place. But we're not going to do a national shutdown all at one time, but we might need to do that kind of roaming based on which states have high infection rates or don't have the ability to contact trace or don't have adequate testing. I don't want to say it's not complicated, but I mean, there are things that we know, and the president just won't acknowledge those things. And when he says things like, we're round the turn, we're round the turn, we're getting better, when everyone, unless you're in the Fox News bubble, and even there, I think that some of the COVID stuff, like bodies don't lie, it things have seeped in to some extent. The president just won't do that, and so he just looks foolish and ridiculous. Um, and talking about Joe Biden hiding in his basement and other ridiculous things— I don't think that's going to work. So I don't think that the president did so well in that particular section. He seemed to go back to his 2016, I'm going to debate against Hillary Clinton. So this whole thing was now, Joe, Joe, you've been there 47 years. You're a politician. You know, you're a corrupt politician. And again, I don't really know why Hillary Clinton didn't do, do well with this. And I don't think Joe Biden did the best with this. Although I think when you're there with Donald Trump and he's just throwing kind of a spaghetti pot full of lies just thrown at a wall. I think you struggle with what do I respond to? What do I not answer? What is so outrageous that the American people should know better? So I don't have to say anything about that. But and sometimes I have faith in the American people. But then I think but Donald Trump is sitting in the office now. So I worry about unaddressed, unanswered sort of responses, I guess, to nonsensical claims and lies. But you know, there was a part where Joe Biden was talking about families. And because Donald Trump was taking a lot of energy to try to drag Joe into the mud of innuendo and conspiracy theories uh, about their families. Well, in this case, about Joe Biden's family um, and Hunter Biden. Yes, Hunter Biden is on the ballot, if you didn't know. And Joe has his point of <laughs> looking at the TV and talking to folks and going, hey, this is actually about you guys as the American people, about your families. And Donald Trump actually mocked that, which I thought was maybe again, I think there are certain people who, yes, any politician, anything that they say, they think, oh, it's a, it's planned, it's scripted, it's whatever. But on some level, I mean, it is supposed to be about our families. It is supposed to be about us. They are supposed to be talking to us. It was interesting to see the president mock that. It was also interesting to see that the president of the United States really does not see the 50 states as one united country. I mean, he he clearly, everything is red, blue. If you're blue, fuck you. If you're red, apparently they do everything well. And so Joe Biden mentioning that on at least two occasions that I can remember of just saying, I would be the president for everyone. There are no blue states, red states. Even if that division does exist, that is not exactly how we're supposed to govern. So I thought Joe did well with that. An area that I didn't think Joe did so well with, oh, I needed a sip, that I don't think Joe did so well with, was the, going back to issues of race and was this 1994 crime bill portion that just continues to haunt Joe Biden at this point. And 
One, again, there was a reason why Donald Trump certainly was using that opportunity to try to attack Joe. Because, look, this is about the margins. And if you can peel off enough Democratic support, maybe especially with black men, that can cost you a state, which can obviously cost you an election, as Hillary Clinton has learned <laughs> learned the hard way as she's sitting at home in Chappaqua instead of Washington, D.C. So I need Joe Biden and he kind of touched on it, but talk about the fact that this was a bill that was extremely bipartisan, supported by the Congressional Black Caucus, certainly at a different time in American history and where kind of the consensus on crime and what needed to be done about it. But he also didn't talk about anything else that was in the 1994 crime bill. So the Violence Against Women Act, the assault weapons ban, which we no longer have, assault weapons ban, hello, hello. Things are not as as simple and sixth grade as Donald Trump likes to make things. So I didn't really like how Joe Biden answered some of those questions. Although I did like the fact that Joe did at least, if I remember correctly, was for the candidates to speak to Black families around issues of race and the talk, the talk that's given to Black children. And so at least Joe tried to answer that question. Donald Trump just basically saw an attack opportunity and could not speak to that, of course. So there was that part of the debate. Things around climate, I had to laugh because the president planting trees and planting lots of trees. It's just nonsense. There was nonsense. I'm glad that there are no more debates. I'm not sure how much the debate's going to change folks, people's opinions at this point. It's hard for me to understand who exactly is undecided at this point on either side, I was going to say. But if you're a Trump supporter, I mean, there are things that you like. I mean, if you believe that we should be building a wall on the southern border, that that's going to somehow solve our immigration problem, and I put problem in quotes, or what part of it that you think is a problem, I mean, I guess Trump's your candidate. If you if you like his brash style, if you want to call it that, fine. If you are comfortable with his conservative uh, judges and justices that he's just plucking from the Federalist list, I don't see what exactly are undecided. If you think that clean coal, clean coal, I, I mean, then fine. If you're someone who doesn't like the coronavirus response, if you're someone who actually understands that Donald Trump inherited an economy that was doing well, and if you're someone who actually understands that, well, yes, Black unemployment is lower, well, was before this, but is lower in the Trump administration because he inherited an economy with low unemployment overall. And that, if you remember correctly, because Americans forget that Barack Obama and Joe Biden did not inherit a good economy. They inherited the Great Recession. Maybe Joe is someone who you'd vote for if you believe that taxation should be fair and that people who are wealthy should pay more than they're paying and that we shouldn't have done these tax cuts that we just did in 2018 when the economy was actually doing well, that we didn't need to inject that kind of brief, <laughs> I don't know, stimulus into the economy for rich people. Okay, fine. If you're not happy where the judiciary is going, I mean, I just don't see where people are undecided at this point. I really don't. Yeah, I don't know. So there was one thing at the very end of the debate, also going into that environmental piece, where Joe talks about oil, oil, and yes, that we need to move away from fossil fuels and oil. And uh, the president certainly did and is his campaign in the last couple of days trying to seize on those comments. And then in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Texas, uh, your oil job will be gone and Joe Biden wants to get rid of oil. Of course, there was 
that nuance piece that over time, the oil industry, that's not going to be an easy fight or something that I see happening anytime soon. But beyond that, again, I, I just I don't see anything that should really change people's minds. So that was the debate. And before I close, I wanted to also talk about the state of the race for control of the Senate. The Senate, the Senate, the Senate. Because I want Joe Biden to win and Kamala Harris. But any agenda, Joe is not going to get that done as long as Mitch McConnell is still the Senate Majority Leader. And so I just want to talk about a few of these races because the Senate races are rather entertaining. I'm not going to go through all of them. It is important to know that the Republicans have 23 seats to defend, while the Democrats have 12 seats, 12 seats. So this is definitely the best opportunity for the Democrats to pick up seats to take control of the Senate, and they are favored to take back control. So let's just talk about a few of these races, because some things are slightly entertaining. So I'm going to start with one of my favorite, favorite senators, and that is Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, Miss Lita Graham, down in South Carolina, who's in the fight of his life. Ooh, he's whining and crying all over creation, begging for campaign donations because a young black man, Jamie Harrison, has been raising buckets and dump trucks full of cash. Poor Senator Graham has had to leave his house, put down his mint julep on his porch, and actually defend his abominable positions. Apparently, the constituents of South Carolina don't particularly like what Mr. Graham has been doing. Lindsey Graham has been in the Senate since the late 90s, since Bill Clinton was president. It's time for Lindsey to go. I still think it is Lindsey's race to lose, but it has been very entertaining to see Lindsey Graham, I mean, just all a flutter that... <laughs> <laughs> that he actually could lose his seat. It'll be interesting to see if, as the chair of the Judiciary Committee, if his ramming through of Amy Coney Barrett, Mrs. Ooh, go to the bathroom. Can someone let me go? I don't know. Hello. I don't do anything controversial. Um, if Amy Coney Barrett helps him in South Carolina or hurts him. But it would be magnificent if Lindsey would lose his seat. You know, I think Lindsey Graham represents maybe even more than Mitch McConnell, who I'll get to in a minute, because Mitch McConnell, I just thinks a demon. But Lindsey Graham, I think, really represents kind of that, the worst of what people think of a politician. So we have him on tape, like tape after tape after tape, criticizing and ridiculing Donald Trump for months, as he should have calling him a racist, calling him dishonest, an intellectual lightweight. That's not, that was not how he basically called him stupid. I'm saying an intellectual lightweight. That me actually trying to be nicer about that. But I mean, he said what I think most of us who read and can see know. And then, okay, well, Donald wins. And okay, I'll even give him like, look, he's a Republican president. I'm a Republican senator. I would like to work with him. But he has bent over and done backflips and I mean, hula hooped his way. It's just a lot watching him transform. And I think the other thing that is weird, if you follow politics here, I mean, this is someone who was so far up John McCain's ass. That was his friend and he was proud of him. And most of us have a friend, family member, loved one, something that means a lot to us. And if they were disparaged and mocked and treated the way Donald Trump has treated someone like John McCain, who whatever you think of his policies at times was respected in this country. I think it is hard for people to watch Lindsey Graham just, yeah, now kiss the ass of the person who did all of that disparaging and bad treatment. I'm still going to call this a race for Leda Graham, Leda Graham. Although I feel like Lindsey, like if you just lost, go back to your, your 
nice house and get yourself an oiled up man and live the life that you secretly really want to live. Okay. But I still think that race is for Lindsey Grant. We're going to go off to Maine. Susan Collins, Republican Susan Collins. Susan is going to lose her seat. Susan, too, has been in the Senate since Bill Clinton was president. It's time for her to go. Yeah, Susan's going to lose. Susan has also, I won't say flip-flopped. Susan just has not seemed as moderate. That so-called moderate facade that she's had, I think, has withered away with some of her votes, tax, tax cuts, the Kavanaugh vote. And so now she's trying to do this. Oh, let's wait. Let's hold off on Amy Coney Baird until after the... Susan's too late. It's too late, girl. It's too late. People are tired. People are tired, Susan. The people are tired. Let's go to North Carolina. Tom Tillis, the Republican, versus Cal Cunningham. Now, Cal Cunningham, child. Cal Cunningham is a Democrat. Now, I have seen some polls that Cal is favored to win over Tom Tillis. I think it's close. The fact that Cal Cunningham is in the midst of a sex scandal is not helping. Well, maybe it is helpful in the time of Trump. I mean, in theory, his sex scandal is fairly lightweight compared to all the stuff with Trump about the showers and porn star payments. I mean, Cal has two things going on. So I think in one of these episodes, I mentioned that there was these text messages where he told someone he thought she was historically, historically sexy. And I didn't know if that was, like I said, if that was Marie Antoinette with big bosoms sexy. I, I was I was confused. But now, apparently, there is a second mistress. And the second mistress is upset that there's a first mistress. <laughs> there's a first mistress. So, and all of these people are folks who are in kind of political life, if you will, working on different campaigns. And so, I mean, this stuff, this drip drip keeps coming out about Cal Cunningham apparently not being able to keep his salami in his pants. I had to do a Moira Rose. I had to do a Moira Rose. I almost made it the whole episode without doing one. But yeah, so that's Cal Cunningham. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he, there are polls showing him up than beating Tom Tillis. And then maybe voters don't care. Maybe we no longer care about the sexual about mishaps. That sounds like you, like you actually broke your penis or something. Just the picadillos of our elected leaders or would-be elected leaders. Who knows? It feels like any moral arguments are gone with Trump being president. So maybe that's working for Cal Cunningham. Now we have to go to Kentucky. Ah, Kentucky. So Mitch McConnell is not going to lose his seat. I've personally donated to Amy McGrath, his Democratic challenger. I would like Amy to win. Amy's not going to win against Mitch McConnell demon murder hands. If you have time, you should Google Mitch McConnell's hands. Poor man, he's 78, clearly had some sort of health issue. He was asked about it because his hands look like he's either committed a murder or that he's rotting from the inside out, as a friend of mine said to me on the phone, which is very well possible because Mitch McConnell is the devil. So he could be rotting from the inside out, but his hands look like something is wrong with Mitch McConnell. And again, maybe he's had medical treatment and gotten it fixed. And so everything is fine. But he was asked about it and he did the like, nothing to see here, folks. Like, mm, everything's fine. But you look at his hands right now. Something has happened. But again, it's just, it's laughable about the things that politicians will lie about. Just say that like, I sought medical treatment. I don't really want to get into detail, whatever. Like people are going to notice that your hands look like you've killed someone or that you've been digging in a garden for three hours. I mean, they look ridiculous. Mitch McConnell will have you believe that there's nothing, there's nothing to see here, nothing going on, nothing to go on, nothing going on. Unfortunately, Mitch is not going to lose his seat. He's just not. But let's hope he could lose 
being the majority leader. So, ugh, yeah. Cory Gardner, Republican Cory Gardner, who is running ads in Colorado about how he's going to help protect your health care. Cory Gardner, the American people. At least in Colorado, it seems they're not that stupid. I do think that Republican Cory Gardner will lose his seat to John Hickenlooper. John Hickenlooper. I wish I had a cool last name like Hickenlooper. I don't have a cool name like that. In two more races, I will talk about which is Martha McSally, the Republican in Arizona, and Mark Kelly, who is Gabby Gifford's husband. It's a congresswoman who unfortunately was shot in a mass shooting some years ago. I think that Mark Kelly will pull that race out. For Democrats. And then another one that I'm going to mention is actually a, a Democrat, Gary Peters in Michigan, who's defending his seat against, uh, I believe his name is John James, a black Republican. Oh, the Republicans always love when they have a black, a black Republican who has some weird positions on things like abortion and has made some comments that probably aren't going over so well in Michigan, whether, you know, whether he be black whether it be for white voters, just some things that people like suburban women probably don't like about abortion and rape, some really weird, some weird comments. So Gary probably is going to get his seat. Gary seems like a reasonable, normal person. And then the last race they want to talk about is poor Doug Jones, poor Doug Jones, a Democrat in Alabama, in Alabama, who's running against the Auburn football coach or former Auburn football coach. And I'm pretty sure that Doug Jones will, that will be a seat that the Democrats will definitely lose in their quest to try to take over the Senate. But that was a special election that, that Doug Jones got his seat in the first place, if you recall. And look, I guess in, by Alabama standards, apparently if you're running against someone like Roy Moore, who he was at the time, who's accused of chasing after girls, after women, not girl and women, after young ladies, girls at the local mall, I guess even by Alabama standards, that's probably, that doesn't work. And so I guess people couldn't bring themselves to vote for the Republican at the time, Roy Moore. But those days are gone. And this Tommy Tuberville person, football, hike, hike. We're not really probably interested in policy. I think Doug Jones will definitely lose that seat. Probably not a seat that a Democrat was meant to have in the first place. So with that being said, I'm going to conclude this episode with vote, vote safely, wear masks, people. The coronavirus is still raging, despite what the president of the United States and his ilk say. And yeah, let's see what craziness happens between now and next week. Um, and next Monday's episode will be the last episode before the final vote day. So very curious to see what's going to happen between now and then. But until then, stay safe, stay well. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Pop Into Politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.